podcast brought to you by Read More Media. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Thank You for Asking. I hope you're having an amazing week so far. I don't know about you, but spring is certainly springing in Philadelphia and my allergies are springing right along with it. So to all my fellow scratchy throat, watery, itchy eyes, sneezing people who are also taking like a 100 rapid COVID tests a day because you can never be too sure. And for some reason, we are still getting other sicknesses in the midst of a pandemic. I am right there with you. You are not alone. Today's interview is so exciting. I really cannot wait for you to hear from our incredible guest. I'm on the podcast today chatting with the one, the only Carrie Shahidi. Carrie is a producer, a mom, a wife, and so, so, so much more. She is the principal and co-owner of the production company Seven Sun Production. I knew that Carrie would have so much great insight on so many things from motherhood and how to raise a grounded, united family to career and how to stand in your truth and build a brand that truly exemplifies the purpose that you were put on earth for. In addition to how you even figure out what that purpose is to begin with, I knew that she would have so much to share and she truly poured so much of herself into this interview and I cannot thank her enough for all the amazing insights that she shared in our conversation. So without further ado, here's my interview with Carrie Shahidi. Hi, Carrie. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. How are you? Hi, Amber. I'm great. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I really enjoy it. Uh, I'm so uh, glad so to I'm hear happy that. to be here. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here. I'm super excited for this conversation just because I there's just so much that I feel like I could talk to you about. But before we jump in, would you mind introducing yourself for people who may not be familiar with you? Absolutely. My name is Carrie Salter Shahidi. Uh, I am a producer. I have a production company with two really cool family members. One is my uh, oldest daughter, Yara Shahidi, and my husband, Afshin Shahidi. Um, I, what am I? I'm a friend, a mom, an aunt, a sister, a daughter, <laughs> uh, you know, an executive. I'm a, curi- I'm a curious human, so I'm always up I to something. It. I love it. I love <laughs> it so much. Uh, okay. I would love to hear more about your background because I know you didn't always sure. work in production and I don't think you had what people would call a typical path to working in media and production. Correct. So, so interesting. Way back when I was early 20s, I was living in Minneapolis mm-hmm. and strangely, Minneapolis was the fourth largest city for production. Really? Television and film. Way back, I mean, you were probably a preteen <laughs> when the first strike hit oh, um, wow. and really kind of slowed down business in Minneapolis. But um, I remember just being in Minneapolis and a photographer spotted me and said, oh my goodness, are you in the business? No, I was actually had just finished graduate school, finished my master's in, in business and... Uh, all of my coursework for my master's in education. And I was working in adult education uh, for uh, immigrant populations and uh, brown and black communities. Yeah. And so uh, you know how we are. We we like to discover one another and help one another. Yes. <laughs> so, so this young man, Teague, took me to a black photographer like, let's just take some photos. Walked my photos into a commercial agency, which happened to be the top agency. They thought I was like 17, 18. But you know, I will be however old you you need me to be. Shout out to the Melanin Glow for holding it down (laughs) for you. (laughs) Right. And so once I told them, I'm like, actually, I think I was like 25, 26. They were like, really? Okay, whatever. And we began a wonderful, a collaborative career in the space of commercial and print for myself. Mm. And then I had my first child, Yara, and that was like free taking photos on your cell phone yeah. and texting them. So imagine I walk in at six weeks and I was like, oh, by the way, here's a little nugget I had. <laughs> they took a Polaroid. Wow. They're like, oh, so cute. We're going put to on, put on the wall. Great. Next day I get a call. Yara has a booking. A booking? It's like literally two months old. She was, she was six weeks. 
I was like, that's not possible. Nobody's seen her, but you guys, they're like, we took the, the Polaroid and we faxed it. Wow. So her first two jobs, one was, it was Marshall Fields, kind of like a Macy's. Mm -hmm. And the other was so impactful. It was about um, having a will for brown and black folks to consider having a will, just a basic one. So she's literally tiny, seven weeks old, in the hands of a jazz musician, a black jazz musician. Wait, I totally remember like those (laughs) campaigns because there was like the first big push for black people to get wills. And I think the second round of a similar campaign was for everyone to get life insurance. And I remember seeing all of those. I totally remember these campaigns. Well, this was interesting because it was the first time um, this information that I had seen was being shared with our communities about not wanting to be stuck in probate, mm. not wanting to be stuck trying to divvy up like where where do your kids go when you know you want your child to be taken care of by insert the blank. Right. So it was really cool because she was seven weeks, she was big smiling. And it was the moment where I realized like, oh, wow, my my business degree really comes in handy because I was paying attention to everything else. Yeah. Everything else. Being a black woman on set, knowing, feeling empowered to say, oh, she needs to breastfeed right now. So we'll be back, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Uh, which is really opposite the business. Really, as you know, like we are kind of have been objects or objectified, like you are there to sell a product. And I began really, really early in my career, bringing my whole self. And Yara kind of opened the door for the next siblings to move into the business. They're all very different humans, but they're just so cute. Uh, (laughs) My son who is 19 now and he's at university, but he used to get paranoid because he would show up to go pick up Yara because that was his best friend and still is one of his best friends. And they would look at him and be like, Saeed, will you come here and put this on? So it got to the point where he was maybe, you know, he was so young transitioning to LA too. He was working a lot too, but he was so young that he finally was like, I'm not getting out of the car. <laughs> Cause they would just kind of hand him a job and yep. that's just not his thing. It wasn't his thing. Like you got this. So you funny. Give him some, some time. Right. So we started in Minneapolis, did really well. My husband is a photographer and a cinematographer. As we know, Prince was also in Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. Prince is foundational in our success. We did not know all of the things that he was doing for all of the other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he, my husband was in like a camera assistant for him. And he asked him, do you, do you do still photos? We had happened to just get a photo studio studio in Minneapolis just to play around. So my husband brings up a portfolio with just my, my tail in it. (laughs) Me with cornrows, me with my fro, me and he was like, oh, you shoot brown skin really nicely. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of a 12 plus year Amazing. relationship. And so Yara and Saeed were really fortunate to be around some really cool independent artists. Yeah. Um, his hairstylist, his, his wardrobe stylist. These are like really empowered, powerful Black women that were given... Uh, space to create with yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we moved to LA, I remember I remember my husband saying, hey, we're going to move to LA. This I've had such such an incredible time and I've learned so much with you. And he said, are you sure you want to go? I have this next world tour. And he's like, yeah, you know, my cinema, cinematography side, my agent is there. And we moved and three weeks later, Prince was in LA and off they went on another round of adventures. Wow. And so... Prince taught him and and myself really reinforced like you stand for what you stand for. I love that. You know, and it's so true uh, too. Either you do or you don't. Either you do or you don't. Either you do or you don't. So he really impressed that upon all of us and really treated my kids uh, so so beautifully. He would have pictures of them in the house, and I I think we didn't realize until we toured Paisley Park after his passing that there's this headshot of Yara in his office. Wow. With it signed to Mr. Prince. Wow. Um, yeah. That's and so he would, precious. yeah, he rented out movie theaters when Yara had movies. He would just rent out whole theaters. Wow. It's yeah. so interesting hearing the kind of your career origin story because 
so many people do the opposite and would have taken the opposite Mm. route of what you took, especially as a woman, let alone a black woman, where if you are younger and you're married and now you have this baby, your first thought isn't, well, there's space for me in this area of career. And one thing Mm -hmm. that I think is super interesting is that your husband, you and your husband were working together pretty early into the, the start of your family. Can you talk about kind of building a career with mm-hmm. your life partner? Because I think that most of the advice would be to keep those two things separate. Like you need to have home at home and work at work. And when the two mix, it can get messy. But you all yeah. obviously have a very solid foundation, not only in your partnership, but in your professional world and your family world too. Yeah, I, I'd have to say, um, I'm sure our executive assistant and some of the people we work with must kiki because <laughs> we live in the same house, but we'll get on a team call and talk about what we need to talk about. So there are a lot of things that, you know, if it's not during the workday, we're not walking by each other. Oh, by the way, we sent the pitch to, we just treat it like business. Going to work. Yeah. Going to work. And so he may be in the front office and like, I'm in, I'm in another space in our home. Uh, and we'll be laughing because we haven't discussed like, Oh, did you, update that that uh, synopsis and send it off to whomever we're working with. Um, so there's that. And I got to say, you know, I was raised by feminists. My yeah. husband was raised by uh, a feminist. He's Iranian. So he's from Iran and his mom was really forward thinking. So he really didn't think twice about me handling all of the, the books and the monies that came in with Prince of having these really fluid conversations. You know, I remember one time, you know, Prince paid him abundantly and he was working really 16 plus hours a day. Mm. I remember one time he came home with two Canon Mark II blah, blah, blah cameras. And back then you had to stand in line and get on lists and they were 10 plus thousand a piece. And I was like, but why two? <laughs> so we were able to have these conversations. He's he like, was like, no. but why not two? <laughs> He's actually like, let me sell one, one for somebody else to be able to use it. And he's Mm -hmm. like, you're right. Or we've had moments where I'll never forget this. There was this invoice that I, that I was sending out and he was like, it's just, it's too big. Oh my goodness. Your husband is me. (laughs) Girl, then you need me in your ear. I need, I need a you for sure. (laughs) You have me. You have me. You can always call me if it feels like too much. Yes. Because the, the, the couple things that I've always said is one, I've never, uh, uh, raise the prices. Mm. Two, there's nothing sneaky. Everything's above board. Everything. Three, your work is absolutely stellar and you're priced um, beautifully. But, so this one time, he's like, just, just, just take X thousands of dollars off the top. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm telling you how I feel. When I tell you, like two weeks later, he's like, oh, the new MacBook came out. I was like, you gave that you away. Can't, you can't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> you have to hit him with that, but do you have MacBook Pro money? <laughs> so we were able to have a really good laugh about it. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. And so everything that we do, we kind of operate in a few ways. We we keep it in the family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the family may be blood or not blood. Right. Which is many times so important, especially now i think if this pandemic has taught people nothing else it's your village needs to be just who your village is it doesn't matter how you're related to them that's right Uh, we invest in people it's backfired on me plenty of times but girl my you know our heart is there to invest in in people um and uh we just keep trying to expand the work that we do we just yeah. keep trying to expand it and create opportunities. I've had employees, people that, that are independent contractors that work with me, people that have worked with me for years that have said to me at two different times, like, this is my first time in Europe. Mm. This is my first time using my passport. Yeah. And we all look alike. We, we all look alike. And I'm yeah. like, that, that's, that's, that's a win that's the for goal. me. That is the ultimate goal completely. Yeah. So we had, you know, mental inclusion writers before it became a thing. You know, so often people talk about finding your soulmate. Do you believe that there's a thing as like a purpose mate? Because hearing the way that you and your husband operate, it's two people who are fully operating in their purpose coming together to like make that purpose bigger. And to me, that almost feels more powerful than just your soulmate. That's interesting. Okay. So this is what I would say. That's my man. 
Uh-huh. Uh, that's the husband of my children. That's the guy that, like my dad, believes I can do absolutely everything. Absolutely everything. And Yara is my purpose mate. Oh, wow. Because we were dying laughing yesterday because I was like, do you want the DC? I said some sentence that didn't even make sense. And she was saying the exact same sentence. Uh-huh. Do you want the DC? Like it was, it didn't make sense, but it made all the <laughs> sense in the world to us. I love um, that. We operate, she and I operate from a space of purpose before financial abundance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you, we're, we're playing with real money, but we're also playing with the fact that we have been successful because others before us opened the space, which means we need to keep the space open. And sometimes we have turned down big magazine covers. Because wait, wait, you don't want to use our black female hairstylist? Wow. You want to bring in or you don't want to use our creative director? Yeah. Because let, let us remind you of why you're even seeing Yara or you're it's a full package. It's a full package. Um, there are companies that we work with uh where I, I separately consult with them. Yara may be forward facing on it because they understand we're not mother and daughter mm-hmm. in faces, we're business partners. If you want some strategy to want to know how to take this campaign and make it not be um, uh, cause marketing, mm. which is black, black faces in the front for the know, sake white of it. faces running stuff. Right. We are willing to have the doggone conversation. And, and so Yara important. is really, yeah, she's, she's my purpose mate. Cause we in it for the long game. We're like, I love it. And it's okay. so interesting to watch that relationship too, because I've watched like several interviews with the two of you where it's very clear, like they're at work right now. They're at work. They're prepared. Isn't even the word because they're speaking from a place where it's not talking points. It's coming from this. is We do this. Like this is the yeah. work that we do every single day, whether the cameras are on or not. But it's also very clear. Like when you see candid moments between the two of you just on like Instagram or like we catch a video snippet, y'all are cool people. Like y'all are friends. That is your, like, that's your home girl and mother daughter yeah. relationships are so complex because yes. You live your whole life and you go through all these phases with your mom. Like I can, every phase, it's like, first you're obsessed with your mom because it's like the first woman who you get that connection with. And then you can't stand your mom. It's like, why are you always in my business? Like I'm trying to be grown. (laughs) And then I, I feel like when I turned like 27, I woke up one morning and realized I am my, like, I can hear her coming out of me sometimes. I'm like, whoa, I'm not ready for that. But you go through these roller coasters and mother daughter relationships, but that it's bonded on this love that's so genuine it's so, it just, there are just so many layers to it. So how do you guys like maintain the mother daughter of it while also maintaining the, but we're also absolutely. So it's so interesting. You say that I'd have to ask my mom how she felt about me as a teenager and stuff, but I feel like she had to tell me in my mid twenties, like you don't have to hold my hand. Like, Oh yeah. I'm obsessed obsessed with my mom. Both Um, of my parents tell me that they're like, could you please stop trying to be my mother? I don't need you to do that. I just wanted to hold her hand because she's just cute as a button. And I just think the world of her, um, you know, and any, any difficult conversations that we've ever had always ends in quick resolve. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that's because she's my mother uh, left the door wide open for me. I I had to get pictures of myself for a commercial. She sent me these pictures. I was like, why in the heck did you let me out the house looking crazy like this? And she was like, Carrie, you are just who you were. Yeah. And I thought you were cool. She was like, I never look look good to me, girl. (laughs) I'm looking at it. I look, girl, (laughs) plaid shorts, a basket, because I'm a basketball player, basketball t-shirt, kind of a mullet haircut. Oh, Uh, There's just so much going on. Super androgynous, Mm -hmm. which I still, I still am. But she let me be who I was way back in the 70s and 80s. I went from super girly, to super tomboy, to whatever, to me. And she she allowed me to do that beautifully. And so even with Yara, we do have a mother-daughter, teacher-student, student-teacher. Yeah. Because I, I stay up under her like, okay, so tell me about representational wealth and uh, tell me about, you know, because I just stay in a space of learning with her, with all of my kids. But with Yara in particular, we have a friendship, and a reverence and respect for one another. And I promise you, she came to the planet 
Purpose Driven. At eight, she named her corporation Purpose Driven. Wow. And so, you know, I felt like alongside my husband and all of their other parents, I was laughing with my 14-year-old. He was on the phone with my mom the other day, just doing what they do (laughs) with their grandparents. And my mom said, well, let me know how your math test did. He was like, I know mommy's going to let you know. (laughs) (laughs) One thing about your mother, she is going to tell your business. Yes. (laughs) But the point is, I just looked at him. I was like, it's nice having four parents, right? My mom and dad and my husband and I, he was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. (laughs) It's pretty cool. And so they've been surrounded by extended family Mm. uh, that have supported their curiosities, their interests, you know, like I said, I was raised by feminists and I'd say the first feminist was my father. Wow. Me too. For sure. And so I remember complaining early on in my marriage about something at work. I was like, and then this is happening at work and this, and I was complaining to my dad and my dad said, well, no, Sheen is sick of this. I was like, sick of what? He said, you complaining. Cause I'm sick of it. He's <laughs> like, come on. She, she, who can does let's get it. <laughs> let's I love go. it. I love it. So don't talk know, about I, it. Be about it. Be about it. He actually sent it to me during the pandemic. He said he had it printed, wow. framed, and sent to me like just just a proactive reminder. He was like, in case you thought it was a joke, I'm here to let you know that it was a, <laughs> it was a proverb. So put this on your wall. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I would say, you know, just circling back to Yara, uh, we just have a very open relationship, and she's an adult. Right. I've had to remind other creatives and producers that that she may be working with it that may call me I'm like I know y'all have known her her whole life we consult but this is her thing mm-hmm. so today she had a phone call with a a global brand leader like the creator of the brand because she wanted to talk inclusion and she wanted to she just wanted this person to hear their voice and she texted me and she's like, I'm a little nervous. I was like, you got this. But if you need me on, I'm here. She called me like 15 minutes later because she's East Coast finishing finishing school. She was like, it was wonderful. It was great. Sometimes I forget we already had a rapport because, mm-hmm. of course, with Yara, if you see her in front in some clothes, I promise you, you probably don't know that we've already traveled here for, for this philanthropic effort right. and for that. So we get to know the company on all sides. Um, for all the companies and because she had already done some global work with this company that was pouring funds into brown and black fashion designers Mm. she sometimes she still feels all of 22 to herself like who am I to be holding this audience with this person and then she's like wow this this person was just so thankful that I reached out and so you know She's always teaching me. I'm always wide open for the learning. And my dad always said, you know, from the book, Khalil Gibran, let's see, I always keep it close to me. I, love I don't that. know if you have, you have the profit. I don't, but I'm going to definitely add it to my list. Please. I'm just going to read you one tiny thing because oh, I, I think it's really this, this book, uh, 19th century poet from Libya. And he's got these chapters and um, the chapters list on good and evil, on prayer, on pleasure, on beauty, on death, on children, on marriage. And it's just his perspective. So, okay, this is what I grew up hearing. Okay, this is page page 17 on children. And he says, uh, your children are not your children. They are the sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come (laughs) through you, but not from you. Wow. And though they are with you, yet they belong not to you. Uh, you may give them your love, but not your thoughts. You may have, they may, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls. For mm. their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. So wow. and that's how I was raised. Wow. That's how we raised our kids. So, so you already you have know, that understanding that you were a part of the process, but you were not the process. Like your children's destination is not just here to be daughter of that is just one stop along a long journey in fact i really struggled for some years like am i just the mom of Mm. and saeed and esan shahidi uh and my dad said uh yeah 
they may be wearing the coat, but you knit the coat. Right. And the fact that you are so many other things, how, what have you done? Because I've heard I'm at an age now where so many of my friends are becoming mothers. And I think that's one thing that everyone has legitimately expressed to me that they're afraid of. Mm. I'm going to have a baby and fall in love with my baby. And then I'm only going to be a mom, even if I do other things. What have you done to stay connected to all the other hats that you wear? I remember taking my big, huge breast pump Mm -hmm. to New York couple months after having Yara kicking it with my girlfriend, like I literally made myself. Yeah. Um, but I'm also that, that person. Yeah. We were just in DC for the blackish finale event. Uh, she came in that we came in Saturday. She left Sunday morning because again, she's preparing to defend her, her thesis orally. And I stayed till Monday night because my girls are there and my girls introduced me to another girl. You know, no, I love football. that. I love that. I love that. So I'm super, super purposeful about staying connected and just, you know, learning more. I, I went to Paris at the end of the year because we only go for work. I was like, let me go for pleasure and scout it out. Paris is my favorite place in the world. <sighs> it's my favorite oh, place. Oh, we have to trade notes. Yes. We have to trade notes. <laughs> because once, once companies started taking us, I was like, okay, so now I like it. <laughs> you got to know how to do it right I it doesn't need like, a ton of money i feel like everyone has to you have to be by yourself in paris for a day like even if it's mm-hmm. just a day a day alone in paris will like completely reconnect you to who you are yeah i agree i agree i went to paris with a friend my girlfriend who's in new york she's like i think i'm gonna go to paris i was like i'm coming I love that. I just literally was like, I'm coming. So it's then like, great. I was so there, the flight is at what time? Great. I'll see you there. <laughs> when I when I tell you, I did that. And then we were there and my neighbor, who's become a dear friend of mine during the pandemic, hit me up. She was like, are you in Paris? I want to go. So while I'm in Paris, I was like, let's go. So I, I went in October and then we went in December. But between October and December, my neighbor took her oldest daughter, who's in between college and med school, to Paris. I love this. She went like all of the people that surround me just keep showing me to just do it bigger, mm. go bigger, fill yourself up. You know, I'm surrounded by people with no kids, Gen Z, um, millennial, people that are my age with kids, people that are my age with no kids, people that are older than me, that uh, are well traveled mm-hmm. and are showing me, like, wow, this is possible. So, I'm really intentional about I love paying that. attention to what the universe it's and so who the universe puts in front of me. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and in addition to building such obviously a supportive village that enables you to fully be yourself, because I do think mm-hmm. that anyone who's fully operating as themselves has to have a solid support system. That's like a signal yeah. of that. You've also yeah. managed to create an entire brand for yourself at a time where like, everyone claims that they're always like, I'm building a brand. It's for the brand. I'm working on the brand <laughs> to the point where it's not even a thing anymore. It's just like a pretentious thing that we feel we have to say to be wow, okay. in the conversation. But yeah. it is like a very real thing aside from building a business, having mm-hmm. a name where people hear that and know what it's about, what's coming with it, what you stand for. So mm-hmm. do you have any advice or wisdom to share with people who are trying to establish themselves in a field and really want to become known for the things that they're working on? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because through trial and error of obsessing about, you know, when I was doing a lot of paid posts and figuring that out, I finally got to a place where I had to start asking what my purpose was. Mm-hmm. regardless of money, brand partnerships, what's my purpose? And what I realized was just kind of sharing my curiosities. So the reason I started walking at sunrise is because I was walking with my two neighbors and one of them has very young children, uh, three and six. And she said, oh, uh, my daughter loves to wake up and watch the sunrise. Girl, that's all you had to tell me. I was like, the sun? It was as if I had never heard the sun <laughs> What a concept. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, never done that. So let me go. My husband laughed so hard at me because a hundred sunrises, a hundred times I'll go. <laughs> every time. Every time. That's how I feel every time I go to Paris. <laughs> I, okay. When was the first time you went to Paris? 2019. And was it always that way? Was that your first feeling? Because many Black folks, we don't have that feeling right away. 
The first time I went was in December of 2019. I was super nervous because it was a group trip and I don't do, I get like very anxious because I'm like a planner too. It was my first time out of the country without like a parent as well. And I was so nervous. And then I got there and all these things were going wrong. Like my flight got messed up. Like there was just so many things. And just like being there, I was like, wait a minute, this is who I am. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I was, I'm supposed to wander more. I'm supposed to be more curious and more observant. Mm. And it just like, I connected with so many other parts of my personality that I wasn't aware of. So Mm. it was pretty. And then everything I saw, I was like, oh my gosh, that building. Oh my gosh, that structure, this cobblestone, like this museum, that architecture, like was blowing my mind. Every time I woke up, the sunrise in Paris was better than the sunrise in Philly for me. I was like, this is a different sun. (laughs) This can't be the same sun. I don't think it is. I think that was one of my last, my last trip to Paris was, I don't know, a month or so ago for work. Mm -hmm. And girl, we landed and we raced outside because the sun was about to come up. Mm -hmm. And I think I, I'm sure I posted it, but you're right. That is, that is not a domestic sun. It can't be the same sun. No. Paris has its own sun. (laughs) So did everything kind of level out once you realized, oh, wander more? It did. I think that's Mm -hmm. when I finally realized that if I were to give up a little bit of control, I would see Mm. more beauty in my life. Mm. And the day that I ended up spending in Paris alone was because I ended up booking my flight back wrong. So all of my friends (laughs) were leaving the day before. They were like, yes, when we get to the airport, I was like, the airport? We don't go to the airport until two days from now. They were like, "Uh, no, ma'am, we're leaving tomorrow. And so I had to like hustle and I found this like hostel to stay in. And and it was very much not my type A personality. I was like, I did not plan this five weeks in advance. I cannot do this. But that whole day, I literally just like walked for miles, Mm. like miles around that city. I went into bookstores. I sat in coffee shops. I talked to strangers. And it was like the best, most insightful day ever. And I think that everyone needs that moment, even if it's not there. Everyone needs their Paris. Even if it's not Paris, you need your Paris. I agree. And I think everybody needs to know that it's possible. Mm -hmm. You know? I think the one thing about travel, the first thing you have to do is just get your passport. Even yeah. if it's saving 20 bucks a month. Yeah. Even if you have no trip scheduled, get your passport because you never know what opportunity. Uh, somebody that worked with me when we, her first time in Paris with us, she showed me her journal and it, it was a year to the date that said, I'm starting to work with the Shahidis. Who knows where this will take me? Mm. Girl, she opened that journal up. We were standing in Paris. A year amazing. to the date. Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> that is amazing. Yeah. And that was one of many trips we took to, took to globally together. Are you um, a journaler? You know, I wish I was. <laughs> Yara is. I want to be. Girl, I'm staring at them. They're staring you, at me. Okay. But I feel like I just, the producer in you, do you, how do you document all the things? Because there's okay. probably so many times where you've been standing in the moment that you had like dreamed about a year to the date too, but it just wasn't in your journal. Like how do you keep track of all that? Uh, That's why part of the reason I have all these kids, (laughs) they'll be like, remember mama, you said this or I love that. We're good good for in our text thread for keeping us uh, together and saying, Oh wow. You really wanted to do that. The other thing I've got three kids who have their mom, they have their dad love them deeply. And they're the first to be like, Oh, you're going to Italy. I love it. Have the best time. I love You that. know? So I just, I feel really, really lucky. I have yeah. friends in my life that when our kids were little, they're like, Oh no, we're coming. I'm coming to watch your kids. So you and your husband can go take this trip. Yeah. Which is so important. So, so important. Yeah. Yeah. What's your, what was your favorite thing to see in Paris? I think the first time that I saw the Eiffel Tower light up, I, it like took my actual breath away. Like I was okay, literally breathless. I didn't know it lit up the first couple trips. It, I didn't expect it to. I don't. I think I knew it because I had like seen pictures of it with lights, but right. I didn't expect it to do what it did. And then it like glist. It literally glistens. It literally physically took my breath away. Yeah, I'd have and to agree. Everything, you know, the, the the big thing now, there's always like a trend, like what's TikTok telling us is cool this month. But like for a long time, everyone's been obsessed with the romanticize your life trend hmm. 
where you're supposed to like make every ordinary moment, try to romanticize it and like live in grandeur, even in the simple moments, everything Mm. feels romanticized in Paris, like getting a cup of orange juice, very romantic, going to catch the subway, very romantic walking. You're walking along this, like the the sand and it's beautiful. And it's like reflecting the buildings on the water. And then you turn and it's the sun is setting. And then the Eiffel tower lights up like every Mm. minute of walking in that city feels like you're in the middle of your own rom-com and you're about to like have the moment like the thing is about to happen yes sliding doors yes (laughs) (laughs) i totally agree eating a eating a croissant and it's falling all over you oh my gosh romantic there's a hotel called the hoxton and it reminds me of soho house Mm. in that you don't have to stay there but people are just in there i met the most interesting people yeah just also, because I'm a Leo, so I'm like, I can get that. <laughs> I think the the way of life there just is very suited to me too, where no one is like rushing. Yeah. It's not like you go to New York and everyone's like, you need to like have a running start into New York. Like we're on the move. But in Paris, it's like everyone just like be like, know what you're doing. But like, we're not, we'll get there. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Life yeah. is not all about hustling from place to place. Like we're not right. worried about when this is closing, when this is opening. We're just right. like, enjoying ourselves. Like, yeah, we're going to sit outside of this restaurant at one o'clock in the afternoon for three hours and have lunch with mm-hmm. wine in the middle mm-hmm. of the day. Like, it's, it's very much the, the slowdown that I needed to see in a big scale. Yes. When's your next trip? I hope soon. I hope Kovisha and her cousins are done wreaking havoc so that everyone can just let people in yes. like, comfortably without... Sound of the alarms. My sister, my younger sister right now is studying abroad. And my parents are like, we, y- y'all can't both be out the country. So you need to swap. <laughs> Where is she studying? She's in Taiwan. Wow. Yeah. Super wow. proud of her. Super yeah, proud of your, her. Your parents are like, one year, uh, 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 <laughs> one can travel. My parents are like, yeah, someone needs to be in our time zone. So you guys can coordinate together. <laughs> but I, I've only ever gone in the winter. So I would love to go to Paris in the spring. Oh, my goodness. I had only gone in the spring and happened to be there one winter and fell in love with winter. Paris and winter is different. It's not the same winter. I'm telling you, it's not the same winter. That's, I've had a lot of winters, but I've never wintered That's like not that. It. I'm from Wisconsin. That's not winter over there. <laughs> it's, not. <laughs> it's a very chic winter. It is. Paris, Paris makes you want to get dressed, right? It does. It does. It definitely does. It's a definitely, it's a pants every day. Like, oh, what if I did like this little sweater set? It's an accessories place. Like all of a sudden I'm wearing hats every day. I've never worn a hat ever, but I'm like, oh, I need a beret. (laughs) It definitely pulls something out of you. Yes. Yeah. It's super inspiring. Super Uh, inspiring. What does self-care look like for you? Oh my goodness. That looks like I may, look, if you look down and look up, I may have checked myself into a hotel for a day. I love that so Um, much. It looks like my walks. Sometimes I take, most times I take one long walk a day. Many times I take two walks a day. Mm. Self-care looks like three walks a day. Wow. So, you know, even though I'm doing it for my spirit, there's sometimes when I notice like, oh, I'm up to three walks. Okay, let me see what's going on. Um, Getting up and reading and exercising, whatever it is. I, I try and give myself five options a day. How do you know what five the five options. should be? Are they the same? I, I just follow what my curiosity is. So there's some state like jump roping. Okay. So jump roping, uh, a nice walk, weights. I usually have a cardio option mm-hmm. and then maybe a class. So Fun. I, I, an online class, like a free yeah. class. Yeah. So I just, I just look at those and I try to hit two to three things a day. I love that. Because jump roping, I may only jump rope 10 minutes. Yeah. You know, and I, again, I'm a Leo, so I'm in competition with myself. I'm like, okay, <laughs> a thousand skips. How long will that take me? And so a couple summers ago, I got down to almost nine minutes with a weighted rope. And I was like, okay. I think now I'm, I'm, I'm up a few minutes, but that's okay. I love that. Yeah. I, love that. I give myself a ton of options. And if I don't feel like doing anything, it's okay. Mm-hmm. I think that more people are starting to accept that sometimes self-care does have to mean doing nothing. We put so much value on just doing all the time that doing nothing feels like a waste of earning more value. 
Yeah. And I think but it's cultural too. It's, it's totally cultural. Like you even know, now I, when we say rest mind. is productive, we're like, no, you have to rest. So you can get up and do more things. Like <laughs> the point can never just be the rest. Right. No, you have to rest when the sun is down and the lights are off. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. It's so true. That's why my ultimate self-care I always say is like a midday shower. Because like I, I read this that thing once where luxurious. it was like, it is very luxurious. I read this article once that said a morning shower is like utilitarian. Like I have to start my day. I need to take a shower. And an end of day shower is like a necessity as well. Cause it's like, I have to wash, reset. The day is over. I'm going to bed so I can wake up and do it again. But a middle of the day shower is you taking ownership of time that isn't automatically delegated to you. I promise you. I promise you, I'm going to do that today. You deserve, you have to get like a very bougie, like shower gel. That's when you can like light a candle yeah, in the bathroom, set a whole vibe. And even if it's just 20 minutes in the shower, that is like yes. 20 minutes of luxury in the middle of your day where you get to reclaim yes. your energy. It's a yes. game changer. Oh, I love it. I love it. What keeps you inspired in the spaces that you reside in? What keeps you inspired to just be in conversation with people as well? Honestly, conversations like this, I feel like I have been talking since I was like 16 months old because that is what gives me energy and insight. I love yeah. having conversation with people and learning from people Same. and passing that on. One thing that I have been very blessed to do is to be the recipient of information that maybe didn't mm. belong to me. And I think mm. that it is now my responsibility to make sure that I can give that back 100%. Yes. I had an incredible, incredible grandmother who was a school teacher. And I feel like one of the greatest pieces of wisdom she imparted into me was to teach and be taught to mm. always be willing to take things in, but not to hoard anything that you've learned ever and to give it without judgment because it's not your job yep. to judge who you give what That's to. Right. It's just your job to give it and let it yep. be what it is in the world. So that is what I yeah. try to do. That is definitely what you clearly motivates. do it well. Thank you, you. Clearly do it well. And it brings me so much joy. Like you just get so much from listening to people. Yeah. And I Look, hope that I'm the one that'll, that. that'll call someone like, I see what kind of phone you have. Let me tell you the deals they have out right now. <laughs> okay. Who's your agent? Everyone tell needs your agent, that blah, 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 blah. Everyone needs that person. Everyone needs that person. And I, I, I hate that culturally we've gotten to a point where everything feels so competitive that people mm -hmm. are afraid if they give anything away that they'll never have anything when there's, mm -hmm. there's too much stuff, like there's yeah. way too much. And I just know that giving away is the only yeah. way to make space to even have a fraction of what you need to have. Well, and my, my dad has always said, you know, when we hold our hands out, you see these natural spaces, abundance is supposed to flow. That's what I taught my kids. Mm. All of this that's supposed to go somewhere else. Right. So we're not right. supposed to be like you're saying, holding on to yes. uh, anything tightly. If anything, you end up crushing whatever it is you think that you're holding so preciously. Mm -hmm. um, but listen, I've also been misinterpreted when I've pulled someone aside and say, let me show you how to help your kid get this, this abundance so that that abundance is funny money to them. Mm. Right. And I remember one time uh, an executive called me and said, Kira, I know you want to be of service to us. <laughs> Oh. But he said, he said, it doesn't hit some people's ears the way you mean it to. Yeah. Because they will take it and break it down to me like, oh, well, then this is what they're making. When my own, this one situation, my only point was, I'm going to give you the client name. I'm going to give you like five different things this person can do. And I'm going to show you how these jobs are 15, 30, 60 minutes. Mm. Grab the bag. They took the advice and then they complained thinking that I said something totally different about work and uh, weekly fees and such. And so what that taught me was I have to be discerning mm -hmm. and not to feel like I'm lying if I'm withholding information until. Mm. If I'm holding on to some information until I feel like somebody can hear it. So if I give a little bit, they're like, oh, that's so interesting. Or if I yeah. give a little bit and there's a, there's a visceral, like, how do you know that? I'm like, oh, okay. So I need to a, get better I, at I that. I will always circle back. Yes. Right. Cause we just want to give it. Yes. And when you feel it, sometimes it just, it hits your heart. You're like, I have to tell her this tonight. So she knows for tomorrow. And then it's like, woo, you gave her a whole meal. You should have started with an appetizer. See how she responded. 
that is, I think that a lot of times we talk about discernment. We don't talk about discerning while you're discerning. Like just because it is on your heart to give that to someone doesn't mean that you can give it all to them right now. It's hard for, it's hard for people like us. That's just (laughs) like, I'm just a vessel. So there's some reason why the knowledge has dropped into us Mm -hmm. Um, and we're supposed to just kind of share it. But I think for it to be of best use for people, we have to make sure that they're in a space and a place as best we can to receive it. Yeah. Yes, that is so true. So last month, um, I turned 29. Congratulations. Thank you. I feel so many things about this being the last year of my 20s, but what if you could give yourself advice or tell yourself anything, your 29-year-old self, what would you tell her? Uh, I'd say trust my trust my first instinct. Wow. You know, I did so much of what I wanted to do before then, but you know, there are a lot of voices and a lot of a lot of people that have lived um smaller lives, mm-hmm. not in a negative connotation, but just like nine to five, get up, go to sleep, vacation once every 10 years that would look at me like, wait, you're going where again? Why? How are you doing this? Especially as and, black people. <laughs> yeah. And so there were times where I'm like, oh, maybe I'm supposed to be just smaller, mm. smaller in the world. Um, but then the fact that I'm a Leo with a Leo rising was like, I cannot. <laughs> so I would say <laughs> at 29, and this is what's so cool about being a mother of somebody in their 20s and someone that's about to be in their 20s. Uh, when I tell you God put put his or her hand on my back to say, just stay a step ahead mm. and welcome welcome them to whatever their next space is because it's not my next space. Yeah. Right? So I'm the first. I was talking to my son. I was like, you guys have spring break? Y'all should go to wherever, Europe, wherever. I'll set you up. Just, and he's like, You're, yeah, we should. We, we should. should. <laughs> and so... You know, I'm always encouraging them to kind of step out of their comfort, their perceived comfort zone. I remember when Yara was a freshman, imagine being in school and you're on TV. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times actors will go in between movies or they used to have a series. She was actively on two series. Mm -hmm. And so, but she's just an academic at heart. And so there are times where she's fully a student, but also you know, a musician is coming to town that she knows. And, you know, they're like, come on, Yara, who, who's coming? And I remember the first time she's like, mommy, aren't you coming? The tour manager was checking for you. I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't want to come. <laughs> I did. I did want to go because I love the music. But it was a moment where I'm like, this is such a growth moment for her. Yeah. And I'm like, let me set up car service for you guys. I remember them going and she was called. She called me laughing. She was like, we we're backstage. And some, somebody on the tour came looking through the rooms like, has anybody seen the Migos? Has the Migos. Oh my God. Was it my father? Because that sounds like something that he would ask. <laughs> but it was just so sweet and cute that she's had these experiences. She's able to have it in a different context with friends that are total music heads, but have never had this experience. And then she started to realize like, I can do this. Yeah. So just, watching someone in their 20s and seeing you in your 20s, you can do it. Yeah. Like, shoot high, shoot high. I I tell our team, I'm like, so what would George Clooney do? Mm. Like, that's my theory with everything. Would George Clooney ask for four of these hotel rooms? Because, you know, as Black folks in the business, a lot of times we operate from, a, I'm just happy to be I'm here. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I'm just at the place. So it's like, well, our creative director needs his own room to pull out all the wardrobe for this event. Okay. Glam needs their own room. So we don't disturb this room. And I'm over. What What are they going to say? No. Cause I see what you did for X, Y, and Z. And then whatever information I'm able to find. And we have incredible partners. I share it. Yeah. Like, Hey, remember you can ask for your own photographer. You know, when Yara signed with Dior, the first thing we said was send some of the clothes. Let's see how she feels. Mm-hmm. Before we find anything. We called um, Kai Bird, wonderful black female photographer. Like, hey, will you shoot this? Mm-hmm. Just send us your invoice. We had the client put us up at the Langham in Pasadena that has a beautiful kind of back courtyard. And we rented mm-hmm. a cottage. 
And we took these beautiful pictures in 45 minutes. And I remember them saying, this looks like a full magazine spread, a full magazine spread. And you see who we have. Look, these, look at this. talented brown and black folks. And the kind of closing of that loop was us standing at the Brooklyn Museum and looking down. One, they surprised us that Yara's outfit was on one of the mannequins for their retrospective of Dior. Amazing. But, but two, you look down and there's Kai Bird's name. Like it gives me chills. Yeah. I'm like, your name is in the Brooklyn Museum. And to me, when I think of how will I know that I am doing it right? It's when it's, it can't just be my name. That's mm, never, one, exactly. one name is never the goal. It's like, yes, I did this and that's great. And I'm proud of me, but like, look who I brought. Because if you get somewhere by yourself, it's like, anyone can do that. <laughs> right. I remember standing in the, uh, south of France, looking at six other brown and black team members and the black photographer we asked to have flown over. Uh, and they were like, absolutely. It's, like, it speaks volumes. Exactly what you're saying. It speaks volumes also just about your own family and where you come from, because that is something that is either imparted or it's not. I think that everyone is kind of brought up in a feast or famine. Either it's everyone mm -hmm. comes to the table and we're eating together or there's not enough. Everything is scarce. So don't give away what you have because you may never get. And you can tell that you were raised in a way that just taught you that the table is big and it's full yep. and it's I was literally, I was to run literally, out. literally told we come from uh, an abundant people's mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. generations of abundance. That's all I was told. So I, I came out like, whoo. We are amazing. That's how I felt always. Yeah. Um, and I think it can be rewired. It can for sure. How do you think yeah. that if, because there are some people who just because of circumstances were taught that everything is a scarcity, mm -hmm. especially women. Women are taught that so many things are scarce. We're told that our youth is a scarcity, that mm -hmm. fertility mm -hmm. is a scarcity. Like we are always told that we're running out of something. How mm -hmm. can you rewire and tap more into that abundant mindset? Well, I think some of it is just spending time with ourselves. Mm. But I think even the things that you mentioned, okay, you telling me youth is a scarcity, I can get an $8 hyaluronic acid from Amazon that's okay. highly rated. And I can actually take the message and say, what you're actually saying is take some time and take care of myself. Mm. That's what, that's actually what we Challenging need to Challenging that thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like take some time, like you're saying the midday shower, take your, take your time and do your routine. Do your routine. It doesn't have to cost more than $15. Yeah. Or your friends have extra product. Or, but I do think we can rewire by who we surround ourselves with, mm. who we remove, who maybe started as a friend and is now an acquaintance. Yep. For the protection of self. And you can do that with love, with love. But what if this is our only time on the planet? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have every experience I can. Amen. That's it for this week's episode of Thank You For Asking. As always, you can let me know your thoughts on the episode, ask a question, or make a request for a future episode topic by emailing tyfapodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the pod at tyfapodcast on Instagram and visit us online anytime at tyfapodcast.com. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and share Thank You For Asking with a friend or 10 friends. Thank You For Asking is a production of Read More Media. I'm your host, Amber Burns, and you can find me online at by Amber Burns. Have an amazing rest of your week, and I will talk to you all next Thursday. <laughs>